0: Here's Brandon. Welcome back to Old Space
1: Show. I'm Brandon, and this is my companion, Rachel. Hello, hello. This series of Old Space Show follows the story-by-story time-traveling adventures of the Sixth Doctor and Mel, Melanie Bush, I should go the other way, Melanie Mel Bush, or Mel Bush, during season 23 of Doctor Who, dubbed the Trial of the Time Lord, Colin Baker's second year in the role. Today we'll be discussing the story comprised of episodes 9, 10, 11, and 12, known as Terror of the Vervoids.
2: The Time Lords have brought the Doctor to trial, accusing him of gross interference in the affairs of other planets. If he is found guilty, he must forfeit all his remaining regenerations. In the hope of proving his innocence, Melanie Bush, an as-of-yet unmet companion from later in his life, is summoned to the court. Hopefully, through her help, the jurors will be reassured in letting the Doctor go free by seeing what good acts he stands to commit as opposed to destructive ones. In his defense, the Doctor tells of an adventure from his personal future, set on board the Hyperion 3 space liner in his future. Answering a distress call, the Doctor and Mel arrive on the liner just as a series of grisly murders begins.
1: All right, this one is directed by Chris Clow and written by Pip and Jane Baker, starring Colin Baker. Bonnie Lang. No relation. Yes, a lot of Bakers in the Who-verse. It's, uh, Colin Baker, Bonnie Langford, Michael Jaston, Linda Bellingham, The Honor Blackman, Michael Craig, Malcolm Tierney, Arthur Hewlett, and Simon Slater. Clow will go on and direct the next story, Ultimate Foe, but also Delta and the Bannerman, Dragonfire, The Happiness Patrol, Silver Nemesis. Uh, so he's on the Doctor Who speed dial from here almost on out and he would other shows he directed were eastenders and brookside uh honor blackman our guest star in this one of the avengers fame she was when the show started being good she was uh with john steed uh after well the first season of the avengers is also it's missing but john steed wasn't the lead they were figuring it out and um Sort of starts finding its footing. It doesn't become what people love about the Avengers till Diana Rigg comes in. But uh, Honor Blackman did make a presence felt, which landed her into James Bond as Pussy Galore and Goldfinger. So that's that's who's here. Uh, she, you know, if you think Honor Blackman and Doctor Who was it what during the Tom Baker era or Pertwee or Colin Baker, way down the line, which is still cool and gives you know an air of prestige. To his era, uh, and we introduce Bonnie Langford, and she comes from the stage. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting casting choice here. Uh, is this the one that they kind of would say was it's reminiscent of Billy Piper landing Doctor Who, if you would compare castings? Though she's not a pop star, but she was very well known stage productions
2: uh, i don't know because i was not aware of what popular culture was like then. <laughs> so. i was i'm just in my
1: in my research and watching documentaries and yeah. stuff it feels like that's if you were to connect something to modern who I that'd guess. be the closest thing because she's more known for something else being pulled in. it was maybe this was an era of just john nathan turner thinking i could do anything
2: and make it there, so it's like we need to do a companion. She needs to be able to scream, but she scream from the diaphragm? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, her, her screaming was something like uh, I'll skip to it, it right now. It, it cliffhangers, was,
2: it was it was unique.
1: <laughs> These cliffhangers in verbal, they wanted her to scream on key so it matched the sound that leads into the end credits, the mm-hmm. the theme song, <laughs> and they do it twice. The first two cliffhangers in this one, but that's. One of the the pluses they found with Bonnie Langford, she kept having to do that. Plus, she, you know, she was a singer on the stage. I, I imagine being a British television show, British thespians, I imagine in any given Doctor Who story, 85 to 90% of the cast can sing. I'm just going to guess. I'm going to guess. I'm going to say 70% of them could probably dance solid. Um, mm-hmm. Just multifaceted talents out there. Um, but, yeah, she's welcome in here to replace Nicola Bryant. Um, it's an interesting origin, not an origin to a companion. As yeah, <laughs> she gets to show up, quote unquote, fully formed, rather than introducing.
2: Yeah, because the uh, technically, this uh, this adventure has not happened yet, right? For the Doctor, but because the Matrix is capable of recording anything and everything that happens in a time lord's lifespan Mm -hmm. past present and future because it doesn't matter to the matrix it's all it's like bad wolf it sees everything it's Um, not like
1: time is a line time is everything it's like a
2: rival it's a big ball (laughs) of wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff right to quote another doctor so but yeah the, the fact that the they're doing yeah, the the evidence that they're using either for or against the doctor is something that he does happen in the past. Something is happening currently, and he gets pulled out of to start the trial, and then something in his future. But they never in a world of Doctor Who, you could talk about something that technically has not happened yet, like it has happened. Right, because at it's least funny. in this case, because there's a visual aid. Yes, at least. Unlike some other encounters where the doctors had, where something has happened in, it's not happened for him yet. Like with River, you know, Ten meeting River at the end of her life, Mm so he has no idea who River is. Or in the Shakespeare Code, when Queen Elizabeth pops up, an older Queen Elizabeth, and is pissed off at the tenth Doctor, and he has no idea why. (laughs) Yeah, because it hasn't happened to him yet. So, you know, (laughs) that's a very dangerous thing. (laughs) right yeah i also
1: a funny thing here like so he can he's pulling from the future here right Mm -hmm. so if that's if this exists i just prove that i get found not guilty on this trial and i'm not put to death here i am in the future i exist
2: the end yeah but the trial is taking place outside of time right
1: outside of time outside of time true true this is like well just from where you stopped over were pulled, this is the future of that. So future, mm-hmm. like Doc Brown says, it hasn't Potential been written. Marty. Exactly,
2: exactly, Marty. But uh,
1: Mel, I I like to point out too that I think Mel inspired many iconic cartoon things later on down the road. This particular episode, her outfit is. One hundred percent April O'Neil, Ninja
2: Turtles. (laughs) Her
1: hair, everything. I guess that's
2: one way to do it. It's very mm eighties. I mean, it's definitely of the time with the, uh, and it only gets worse. Mm -hmm. Actually, (laughs) with some of Mel's outfits, she's very puffy sleeves, very big collars. Um, You know, she. I mean, she's got very big hair. But mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Bonnie is naturally has curly hair, so they were just going with what uh, what she's got, but just you know, putting it up in a barrette and it's just yep. really big and you know it's yeah. just it's very of the tie. Very much <laughs> so. very
1: much and, and they the the But prop- it's
2: still more practical than Perry, some of Perry's outfits, so
1: yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh it, I don't think they were trying to show off uh Bonnie like they were Nicola. Um but like
2: they could. I mean Bonnie's a good looking gal. She is. (laughs)
1: Um she like problem here too is because we introduced her late, we don't we only know her background because of like written synopses. We don't she's supposed to be this like computer tech person that never is said or comes out on the show at all. Like that's what her Mm Before meeting the doctor, that's what she was, and all we hear is it's a megabyte modem. Later in the next story, uh, but that's that's it. Uh, and Bonnie, I I think you know, I I think that with Doctor Who, like every doctor is someone's favorite doctor, every companion is someone's favorite. Like I think, and I don't, I really have an appreciation for all, pretty much almost any they I, I, call me an apologist or whatever but I can see the appeals of certain eras, certain people, and understand why certain people like them, even if it's not as strongly of my own. I think Bonnie gets a pretty bum rap a lot. She got brought in at a really weird time in the show mm-hmm. uh, where she's at, and she was only doing a two-year stint. I think she does what there was asked of her, and I think she brings uh, a nice fun uh, like peppy kind of feel, uh, to like for a little, like fun, you know, Riley gal for like a little girl watching the show to be like, yeah, she kicks ass or something like that. You know, like, uh, I think she's a fun character, especially for a younger audience to see. And she's all in for it. She's never done like TV or anything. I believe at this point, or at least in a serious, um, recurring role or something like this. And, she, she does everything that's asked for her ever. Like, I I don't think she's failing at it. And I don't, I, I just think some of the stuff that's lacking is on the page and just in mm-hmm. terms of production, I don't think it's Bonnie.
2: Yeah, no, she's definitely one of those characters, much like Colin's doctor where mm-hmm. big finishes come in to really flesh the character out, make her more, uh, yeah, you know, more well-rounded. <laughs> yeah, as a, as as a companion, and I, unfortunately, I've not listened to a whole lot of Mel in Big Finish. Even though I tend to listen to a lot of Sixth Doctor, but mm-hmm. I tend to veer more towards the Sixth Doctor and Evelyn, uh, which is one of my favorite pairings in in Big Finish. Which technically, his adventures with Evelyn also take place during this era. Mm. So mm-hmm. <laughs> somewhere in between Perry dying and him picking up Mel, he picks up evil. and, <laughs> and has all those adventures. So.
1: He's got like a billion adventures. We never knew of, but yep. I, I've <laughs> listened to the one where like he returns, uh, Mel back while also picking her. Like it's a mess of a, a thing. I can't remember. Like, but like, there's two two Collins and I believe two Mel's in this story. It's like a really I can't remember what it was called, but it was really confusing. Uh, I listened to that one because I think it was supposed to be Mel's origin story or something. Mm. Following trial of the Time Lord, really crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, but um, let's get in the Vervoids. We got Pip and Jane Baker, who did Mark of the Ronnie, coming back, and this is a Yay! it's a this is like space Agatha Christie pretty much.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a murder mystery in space. But it it's got the like on a sh- on a uh, not quite base under siege, mm-hmm. but yeah.
1: It's got like sets and and uh characters that kind of remind me of Agatha Christie even like it's it it fits. Like you could easily somehow like trans- there's a bit too much going on to be Agatha Christie tightly, yeah. but um Yeah.
2: I think it's... um Oh, what is it? It's the oh, what's the Agatha Christie that when you have like people? Was it Ten Little Indians? And then there were I none. Think. And then there were none. And then the... yeah, well, that's so the I... same
1: story. It was yeah that that had originated with a title that we don't use uh, anymore, and then yeah. the title <laughs> you use, which apparently is like and then and then there were none. That like yeah. well, I think the I think the book is in Then There Were None, and then the stage plays were Ten Little Indians is where that comes from. But yeah, all the same Yeah, I think that's story. where I know it
2: from. Yeah. It's essentially the same thing. People start dying and it's like, well, eventually there'll be one person alive and it may be the mm-hmm. killer and kills everybody else or someone'll kill the killer and they'll be the you know, final girl, who knows. Fun,
1: fun fact, fun fact, my senior year of high school I played General Mackenzie in Ten Little Indians, which is MacArthur <laughs> in the book. But I was a fun old man. Uh S- uh, but yeah, this one it's it's got a... I, I like the geography of this one. Feels fluid, like you know the ship, and you you bounce around between some of the the cockpit, the lounge, uh, the pod area, some other places, and the, the workout room. It's kind of clu- clueish, like where did he get killed? Where like which room with what?
2: Well, if you've ever been on a cruise ship. Yeah, there's a kind of yes, space be, yeah, yeah, expect, yeah, 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 yeah. you expect to see. There's going to be a general like hangout area where people just kind of hang out and have drinks and talk and maybe read books, mm-hmm. which the one gal, the scientist, she's reading an Agatha Christie book, I think. Yes. We, see her like, on screen, we so, get it. We, we, we get we, it. Nudge, nudge. Yeah. For those of I'm you at home. i yeah. Yeah. I will yeah. say,
1: of all the there's strangers, um, one of the coolest designs in my book – uh, the Colin Baker era comes here with the Mongarians, and th- their helmets are awesome, mainly, but I think the whole <laughs> outfit is cool, but I-, I-, I like them quite a bit. I would t- I don't think they have a figurine from Eagle Moss of them yet. I would get one. Um, I- it's I very
2: Daft very... Punk.
1: Yes. Pre, though.
2: Pre, though. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I mean, they're, they... Predate that you're punk like no shit,
1: Brandon. It's, it's pre Daft Punk. It
2: is very Daft Punk. <laughs> very so, much so. Very
1: much so. But I, I do which like is
2: that. much more than I could say for the design of the actual Vervoids. Yeah, look way more like something else that starts with the letter V.
1: Yeah, the yeah, mm-hmm. you know what that is, folks. A
2: couple of things that start with the letter V that are part of the same thing. Uh, <laughs> Violinists.
1: violinists, yes,
2: violinists, violinists. violence, violence, viol, viol-, viol- violets. Yes. violets, they look like yes, like giant violets. It violets. should be purple instead. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs>
1: they, they, yeah, they get. Uh, I mean, if
2: I think at this point, John Nathan Turner is like, yeah, sure, whatever.
1: Go for it, man. <laughs> this could be it. This could be our last season. We yeah. are
2: just. Like what are they going to do? Cancel us? They already tried to cancel us once. <laughs> yeah, the, the verboids, they feel
1: it, it's weird. Besides their um, genitalia
2: look-alike contest <laughs> outfits, Freud would have a field day with yes. those.
1: They are at the, at the same time they are a bit much for this, but also fit it perfectly. Like the look, like they're over the top you know costume monsters but then it, there's like well these are kooky but I'm like well so is everything else in this ship I, I mm-hmm. you know like it's interesting cuz I, I I don't know it's um one thing I do about enjoy about like this season and McCoy what I'll enjoy about things I'll enjoy about McCoy's first season which McCoy's first season is my least favorite season of all of classic who uh but I I do think um I truly love that they they can't pull off what they want to from the script's imagination and the budget resources but the the set builders they they pull up their suspenders and they just go for it the best they can there, there's like a respect and charm I have for that like we remember these places, costumes and creatures more than we do a lot of CG aliens and monsters from other things in science fiction. That like, is very true, yeah. A lot of the CG stuff goes for like a realistic look and, and they all look the same and all that kind of stuff. And the even if like they swing and miss, oh we 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 love that swing and miss. We remember that swing and miss. Like yeah. I remember a Vorvoid. I can't tell you what the alien from Cowboys versus Aliens looks like. For yeah. cowboys and aliens. So, yeah.
2: uh, I mean, the thing with big rubbery monsters mm-hmm. is even at the time, they're going to look like giant rubbery monsters. Right. So, they don't necessarily age. Yeah. Because they're always just going to look what they look like, unlike CGI, mm-hmm. where at the time you're probably like, oh my God, you know, this is groundbreaking. But after so many years, you're looking at it and you're like, Yeah, that didn't age very well.
1: <laughs> it just ta- it, dis- it distracts in a way that it feels it, it can
2: yeah. Bad it can, CG it can get dated really, really quickly. Yeah. Dated
1: CG can feel hollow and lifeless, whereas a a practical costume monster feels living, breathing, and everybody in the room is actually knowing it's mm-hmm. there and it works better. Like is yeah. the people buy into it more uh, or something, you know, that
0: and your it's,
2: actors it's, are going to be responding because they're actually there in mm-hmm. the room with them. Like how many behind the scenes stuff have we seen where, you know, the actor or actress is all like, yeah, I was there screaming to a tennis ball on a stick. Yep. So that I was looking generally in the right area. Yes. So whether are with the CGI thing. So
1: exactly. and, <laughs> You know, no, no harm. There's there's talent in that arena. There's work. There's lots of hard hours and stuff. But there's something to for me that I like that the idea of all these people coming together, trying to create something physical from the ground up like that's Mm -hmm. there's just something to be said about that. Now, this is like probably old codger talk from Rachel and I, but that's how we feel. And, uh, <laughs> give me the rubber guy. That's, that's yeah. fine. But the funny thing with CG was it was invented as a way to continually work on and improve the effects of a movie, but people just released it and stopped. Unless you're like George Lucas, who goes back to tinker his stuff. Nobody was doing it. They were like, well, we're done. That's so not like,
2: always a good thing.
1: you are supposed to go back and touch up. So it, it came with time. Now we got all these things with 2d renders <laughs> look bad because we now are 2k renders that need 4k renders 8k rent but people don't go back Mm -hmm. because it costs money still but hey uh so there uh also in the script there's lots of interesting detective work that i like going on research and spying uh, from either Mel or the doctor, they both play a Ms Marple Hercule Poirot role in this, which is very fun. and the doctor's got some good quips that I like. I forgot to write down one of my favorite ones. I was like, "This is great, and I didn't write it down there's there's one it's a very pert line, like you know when someone like asked him, "Are you a doctor of many things?" It was yeah. very <laughs> it was very much one of those, but coming from Colin and he delivered it wonderfully, yes. Yeah.
2: Well, and this one is the when he's, you know, trying to get information. It was the the poor gal working like the desk. I it, he pulls out the mm-hmm. <laughs> like a flower. Yes. <laughs> like like here you go. Now tell me what I wanted. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think of the overall? Once the plots revealed of who's doing what to who to what. Would you, does it work for you or is it too convoluted? Is it,
2: it's a little convoluted. Yeah, if it could, yeah, I think they could have just gone maybe with just the scientist mad experiment gets out of control type thing.
1: But who's the scientist? Because we know the vervoids are going to do some shit. Like this one almost, yeah, would almost be better served without a monster if you're going to do murder mystery because you've got, well, not only you got the, you got the vervoids, then you've got the, um, Magari- Magarians they're mm-hmm. basically a mon- they're guys with helmets on cuz they can't breathe the air but like they're monster robot whatever that role yeah. is. So now you got two of them and then you got the scientists, the ship people, the you know, like so there's there's uh, too much mischievousness going all around dwindling down down to the the core. Um there's some fun creepy stuff with the vervoids taking over bodies. The, the woman in the drawer that they find that's, that's creepy stuff to me I think the makeup job on that's pretty good
2: yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah I just it, yeah because you have like the actual fur voids themselves you've got these seeds that <clears throat> the sex doctor eats one of them yeah <laughs> Uh and there's this whole thing with the the black hole. Mm-hmm. that
1: Yeah, the, the the big cliffhanger driving into the black hole that takes forever to drive into. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But apparently you can drive just close enough to, and technically it's still safe. And uh yeah, it's that's a bit much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh it, it kind of acts like maybe one thing and could have rolled with it, but depending on what you axe, mm-hmm. will get you a completely different, a potentially different story.
1: Right, right,
2: yeah. So it's like, like, what do you chop so that you still tell the story that mm-hmm. you want to tell? So if if you're
1: gonna if you're gonna get into Terror of the Vervoids, you want to. It's not so much the end of it; it's enjoying a murder mystery romp. The things that come with it. The clue searching, clues, the characters you interact with. You got to enjoy just going along with that because the end's going to be, well, it's because of this, and then that led to this, which this did this, and now this is going for this, but you got to do this. So kind of crazy. Before we before we get to the, the, the end result of this, I forgot to bring up early on, Mel is a little concerned with the doctor's health.
2: That's the thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is the exercise
1: bike episode of dr who uh with i think mel was a
2: big fan of jane fauna yeah uh, maybe
1: yeah there was workout a tapes big workout tapes <laughs> in the 80s that would uh
2: again uh just a product of its time the, the mm-hmm. big you know you know athletics workout. Yeah, you know, Jane Fonda and Richard Simmons and all those—it's mm-hmm. just like every celebrity seemed to have a workout tape. And the carrot,
1: <laughs> the, carrot juice. Yeah. Oh, the, the carrot juice, the carrot juice—the the uh, the the doomed foreshadowing of his fate. Carrot juice should
2: have just had a V eight.
1: Should have just had a V eight. That's true. Uh, so in the end, uh, to to get rid of the vervoids, the only thing they can do is accelerate their life, which means accelerate the seasons, killing mm-hmm. them, and which changes the charge in the trial uh, to genocide. Genocide. Which and so then we go to we will be going to the finale, the decision, the trial yeah. of the century or whatever makes.
2: Uh, I oh, mean, if the vervoids had been left to live
1: Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) it's it's i guess it i guess it would if you're i think you're really philosophical about this about whether the verfoids were actually like sentient beings or if Mm -hmm. they were just mindless plants more plant matter just doing what comes naturally to try to protect themselves you know Mm kind of like a cactus you know cactus is gonna prick you it's not doing it intentionally it's just trying to protect itself so but i mean the vervoids had shown that they were not they were i mean if they'd been left to go to earth or wherever they would have been probably an invasive species Mm -hmm. so and i mean here in on earth and, yeah. you know, especially in the united states we've got invasive species and you know the best thing we can t- try to do is eradicate them
1: yeah
2: so that they don't completely throw off the ecosystem That's so it. i guess i guess it depends on whether you consider the vervoid sentient or not gotcha fair enough
1: fair enough tell us listeners yes, where are you standing in the vervoids life
2: yeah, I mean, to me, they were—they seemed kind of mindless to me. All that right. they were just kind of like, yeah, fair but, enough. But I'm also on the doctor's side, so I'm very biased. Gotcha. <laughs> so.
1: True that. True that.
2: I'm sure the doctor would appreciate having another person on his side, but I wouldn't make for a very good uh, argument in the courtroom. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't
1: think. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, Rachel, it's time to return the TARDIS and set our coordinates for our next adventure. Uh, In the meantime, whereabouts in time and space can people find you?
2: Well, every other week, you can find me with Gold Standard, the Oscars podcast where DJ Nick Zane and I are watching, reviewing all of the Academy Award winners, her best picture in chronological order. We can be found wherever you find podcasts and on Facebook, just look for Gold Standard, the Oscars podcast, or on Twitter at Gold, Oscars Gold. Um, I'll get it right one of these days. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then every week you can find me with the Five Isher and Girls podcast, where a pop culture and entertainment podcast where we talk about all things geeky and nerdy from the female perspective and again we can be found wherever you find podcasts and at the 5 where you can connect with all of our social media accounts and my personal ones as well Alright, uh,
1: hashtag carrot juice. I'm on Twitter and <coughs> Instagram at Brandon4KUHD written work at ysoblue.com. There is more for the Brandon Peters show this week. Tomorrow Old Space Show, mm-hmm. Ultimate Foe mm-hmm. the the verdict comes in be there (laughs) stay film positive
0: thank you for listening the Brandon Peters show is a creative zombie studios production produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters written and edited by Brandon Peters announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman